Hey, everybody, this is Mike from the PR4 Society, and you're listening to the PR4 Society podcast. This is a society, a community. It's a community that is focused on taking proactive, practical, and principled steps and an approach towards preparation. The ability to provide self-care quickly, effectively, and efficiently is critical, especially when services and goods become scarce and maybe even unavailable. Today, we'll discuss the essentials that you will want to have on hand. Cuts, burns, bruises, inflammation, swelling, pain management, nausea, diarrhea, fever, infection, the list goes on and on. And these are all issues that can be addressed quickly to mitigate further risks or just unnecessary suffering if you have A, the necessary tools, and B, some basic working knowledge on how to deal with these things. But also we have to keep in mind that these services may not be available uh, by way of you know a minute clinic uh, or an urgent care or a doctor's office, but additionally items might not be available uh, as well. We've always been able to bank on the convenience of running to CVS, running to Walgreens or Target or Walmart or your local you know, health store and picking up a couple of items to soothe whatever ails us in minutes, in moments. We not might not be able to count on that. So it's imperative that we plan accordingly for these things. Now, the first thing I want to encourage you to do as I go through this list is it is fairly comprehensive. I would encourage you to grab a pen or a pencil and a notepad, a piece of paper, something to write this information down. Um, and the uh, other thing that I would do um, is I would encourage you to uh, go through, make sure that you have the items that you think that you have, uh, check expiration dates, check the uh, things like if you have bandages or band-aids, make sure that the adhesive, you know, if they're 10, 12 years old or they've been um, subject to humidity, things like that, they might not stick. You want to make sure that you have the right things. Again, we can't act as if though these items are going to be available down the road from us. Also, I need you to understand that you are listening to this. You're one of the very small percentage of society who's paying attention to this, who is acting on this, who's being proactive and being prepared. I want to tell you, you're going to have to probably count on doing these things for yourself and your immediate family, but also your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, because they're not doing it, which is why there's a call to action for me at the end of every message to send this to someone else. This is why it's the PR4 society. It's a community. We have got to wake people up. We have to encourage them. We have to get them into action. We have to increase awareness to what the potential issues and problems might be. And we need to help make sure people have information that they can act on. This is up to us. This is up to me. This is up to you. Bringing awareness to potential problems because the people that you like, the people that you work with, the people that are live across the street and next door, the people that you go to church with that aren't doing these things um, at all or they're doing it uh, on a very limited basis, acting as if though we still have a whole bunch of time. What if we don't? What if I'm right and we don't have a lot of time? This is not fear-based. I didn't lose a single a wink of sleep last night. This is reality. I don't plan on things going bad. That's the way that some people might perceive this or might perceive these types of conversations. That's not it at all. You work through a worst case scenario as to be prepared, not because if things are going to happen, just in case they do. Why put all the time, the energy, the thought, the money, 
into doing something only to have it go wrong because you didn't want, because you suffer from normalcy bias, because you just think, well, people won't do that. People aren't going to, I don't need personal security because people aren't going to come and steal food when they're starving. Yes, they will. A thousand percent they will. Or my health has actually just been really good. And if so, if medical stuff goes down, I'll probably be fine. What if you're not? What if you get a basic infection and it turns into cellulitis and you get a really bad infection and that Google it, search it for yourself. That can get really bad. Am I saying you're going to have that? No. Is it likely and highly probable that you're going to experience in that? experience that? Probably not. Is it plausible? Yes. And if there's no availability to the goods to be able to treat that bacterial infection and no services to render to make sure that it doesn't get worse, you don't have to amputate your leg, then you should probably consider those things now. Not because they're going to happen, but just in case. Be prepared. That is what this channel is all about. That's what this information is all about. I understand some people think that this subject is over the top or that it's motivated on fear. It's the opposite. It's the opposite of over the top. It's preparedness. It's the way that your great grandparents lived. You can't suffer from normalcy bias and think, well, people, uh, I'm just, I'm, I've always had access to CVS and Walgreens. You might not. You might not. And you know, you might think your money is your wealth, but the, the markets could uh, fail miserably. Your investments could go down, your income can come to a screeching halt or significantly be reduced, and the cost of goods sold, the cost to purchase goods and services because of food shortages, it's already happening around the world. If you're new to this subject, search it for yourself. It is happening. There are entire societies in other parts of the world that are actually rioting right now as I record this, because of food shortages and because of increases in oil prices that is negatively impacting gas. By the way, Everything has to be transported. Everything does. Nothing is manufactured and then walked across the street. It has to get in trucks and semis and, and on trains and uh, air, sometimes airplanes, cargo ships. All of those run on what? Electricity. Nope, not it. Solar panels, not it. So if nothing else, you make sure that you have these while you can and get them while they're, the cost is, is much better. Okay. The first thing that I want to say is uh, I, right out of the gates here is this. I am not a medical doctor. I am not giving you advice. I'm walking you through what I have done, what I am doing to be prepared uh, for this. Um, you won't want to go without these because uh, it can be very uncomfortable. You're also going to be expecting much more out of your body. Uh, in, in in future, possibly in future months, uh, in future years. And that's a whole different scenario. It, it's different that to have to go work the soil, work the land on a hot summer day and, and, and weed a garden and get physical and maybe chop some wood or split some wood for uh, to give it enough time to dry out for the for the winter. It's much more demanding than going to the grocery store and picking up a couple of bundles for of wood for a fireplace uh, or or a fire pit for five bucks and grocery store to pick up your food. You're going to have to expect more from your body. You're going to have to do a better job of taking care of it. So let's jump in. I broke this down into you know five or six different categories, and I'm just going to start. Uh, I had to break these down somewhat grouped together, although there is some overlap. And the first one is just topical. 
the first one is topical. Um, and you know, the first thing that I'm going to start off with is again, you're going to maybe have more demands on your physical body. If you have to walk somewhere to get food or whatever the case is, um, some, some sort of, uh, muscle relief because you're going to have to work through pain right now. We, if we have pain, we can call into work. We can get a, we can plug in a heating pad. We can get an ice pack. We can rotate. We can call our doctor, get a muscle relaxant. I'm talking about these things are off the table. Okay. So something like icy hot, for example, Ben gay, things like that. Something that's going to give you some relief because you may have to push through some pain. There may not be other things available to you. So that's the that's the first the topical agent that I would consider. Uh, an anti-itch. Again, if you're at if you're, you know, if you get into a mosquito uh, patch um, or you get um, into some poison oak, you get something like that, and you have to keep going because society has changed and now all of a sudden sustenance requires more from you and your physical body. Um, you don't want to be that uncomfortable. An anti-itch cream would be a good thing to do. Something like betadine. Uh, as well has a shelf life of I think forever plus a hundred years. Um, that's something that you can put on that's antiseptic in case you get a, a scrape, a scratch, a cut, or a burn. Um, I would even probably have a couple of those uh, on hand. Um, you can get those just about anywhere right now. Uh, burn gel. Um, you, you know, if you get a burn, whether it's working with something hot or even a sunburn, um, you, you'll want some sort of a burn gel to give you some relief because, again, you still might have to be able to push through that uh, as well. Uh, another thing that gets irritating, you know, a bee sting, there are sting relief um, pads um, and, and ointments that you can keep applying. Uh, do they take it down to zero? Nope. From a 10, they might take it down to a four. And again, that might give you some necessary relief. This is a particularly important for kids and for your grandkids, younger kids who, uh, they, they would just be miserable. They're just not used to tolerating that sort of a pain. I will give you a real quick tip here. Um, I'll, I'll cover in a moment here that, um, you know, some sterile isopropyl alcohol prep pads are a really good thing to have on hand in case that you want to, um, you, you're diabetic, you have to give yourself a shot or an injection or prep a wound or something. Um, you can use those same ones. And if you're wiped down, uh, you know, mosquito bites or something that itches, it can take a lot of that itch away too. So if you didn't know that, uh, there's a little bonus tip for you. Speaking of burns and comfort and itch and things like that, uh, colloidal silver gel is a really good thing to have on hand. Again, I think that there's probably not a shelf life or an expiration date it probably lasts forever. There are a lot of good properties to this and the gel um, has a tendency to stay in place a little bit better, especially if you follow it up with some gauze, which we'll get to in just a moment. Antifungal cream, uh, things like, you know, athlete's foot, not fun, especially if you have to stay on your feet. You got to keep working because remember the grocery stores aren't open in this scenario. So um, having something like that, you know, jock itch, probably not real fun. If you're used to sitting in central air and all of a sudden you're working outside and you're sweaty and it's hot and it's humid, uh, you'll thank me later for having some antifungal cream uh, on there. You can get completely miserable and that can spread. There are a lot of other things that can happen um, with that that uh, this could this could certainly help with. Um, an anti-itch cream, we talked about that just a little bit. Something like calamine lotion would be good. Um, you know, you could have hives. Uh, you could have an allergic kind of response or reaction, get into some of that poison oak. You could have, you know, some mosquitoes or some gnats that are biting you when you're out doing some necessary work. Um, and and uh, this would be also very helpful. Uh, in case you get um, some sort of, you know, cut, um, I think it's really important. There are some um, anti-clot or stop bleeding um 
remedies that are out there that are very inexpensive. Um, and if you're applying pressure um, and you're still bleeding more than you would care to or that you think that you should be, uh, there are anti-clot or stop bleeding um, you know, products that are available pretty inexpensively. Now I want to switch gears. Let's just say you're out working, you get something in your eye, whether it's some sort of chemical um, or whether it's something else, I would absolutely have uh, an emergency eye wash um, available. And, and for that matter, I would also have additionally or separate from that, just some eye drops uh, in the event that allergies kick in uh, or you're just you know, dry eyes, irritated eyes. Again, if you're having to work through things, uh, we might not have the luxury of sitting in our central air conditioning, watching our 75 inch flat panel uh, 4K TVs. We might have to be a little more active uh, and you're gonna want your eyes nice and comfortable. So um, emergency eye wash and eye drops. Uh, ear cleaner, ear infection is a real thing. Uh, there are a lot of different ones you can look into. You can just simply do a search. You can go to your local uh, grocery store or pharmacy if the grocery store has a pharmacy. Ask the pharmacist just uh, what they would recommend for an ear cleaner and have that in there. Um, children are typically more susceptible to ear infections than are adults, although there are some adults that are just susceptible for whatever reason. Um, an antibiotic ointment, um, when you get a cut or a scrape, you want to make sure that you mitigate the risk of infection. Antibiotic ointments are very inexpensive and a good thing to have on hand. Also for that cut, uh, liquid bandage is a good thing to have. You know, sometimes a good bandaid is, is a good thing. Um, and I'll get to the bandages next here, but that being said, um, liquid bandage can be a, a really good thing as well because there are often, um, ointments in there that are antibiotic, um, antiseptic, um, and they will keep the wound closed and help the skin around there to uh, be able to breathe. So there is an application for that. Let's move over to bandages uh, next here. You know, gauze obviously is a is a really important uh, thing to have on hand. Um, I would have, of course, gauze are sterile. They're typically individually packed or individually wrapped. I would get a variety pack with a lot of different sizes. You get a small cut on your finger, uh, you might want that gauze on there. If you get a larger one, you might want a medium sized one. There are large ones, there are extra large ones, and it's just important to have a variety because you don't know what you're going to have on hand. Also, they're so inexpensive. Just you know, uh, pick them up have them on hand, have enough for you and for maybe some other people that aren't prepared and aren't preparing. Uh, if you know someone that uh, gets a wound and no, nobody's there to take care of it, uh, you have an opportunity uh, to do as Christ has done um, and whatever you do for the least of the, what he said, whatever you do for the least of my brethren, you also do for me. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Uh, take care of yourself, secure your own mask first, as they say in the airlines, but also make sure that you're there to help others. Athletic. Um, by the way, they also make um, bleed stopping gauze. So I would also additionally purchase uh, some of those. There are some wounds that just like to keep bleeding. You might be in a blood thinner. You might take fish oil. You might take aspirin. You might take turmeric or curcumin. Those have blood thinning agents. Um, but you might just get nicked somewhere where it's just an area that wants to bleed a little bit more. And there are gauze um, available with bleed uh, with blood stopping uh, or blood clotting agents in there as well. So that's a good thing to have on hand. You don't want to bleed out if there's not medical care or if you're a long ways away from it. Um, athletic tape. I use athletic tape for a lot of different things. You can buy a 12 pack on Amazon for, I think, you know, 10 to $15. 
Um, I use them for a lot of different things, but you can uh, you can put gauze on and then a bandage and then wrap some athletic tape out. Sometimes it's in a spot like on your wrist or around your thumb or your fingers or maybe around your knee where there's a lot of movement and that bandage has a tendency to wear off. That sticky athletic tape um, is a really good thing to have. You know, it's kind of like the hockey tape. I use it for other things. You know, for example, when I go uh, to train and I go to the range and I'm shooting um, ARs and it's and it's hot and the gun gets hot and it's hot outside and it's humid and my hands get sweaty, um, I actually wrap that athletic tape uh, where my hands go to prevent you know slipping and also to prevent my hand from getting burned on a gun that uh, gets hot. Because when you go for training, you have a tendency to put a couple hundred or a few hundred rounds through and that gun can get pretty hot and it also helps in that. So there are a lot of different applications you can have with athletic tape you if you have to walk a lot and there's but there are bugs you know uh getting you know on your feet you don't you can take that athletic tape if you're wearing jeans or cargo pants or whatever and you can take the athletic tape and you can uh, tape off the bottom of your jeans um you can tape up you know a lot of different things in certain applications so it's a good thing to have on hand another good thing to have on hand is butterfly strips you might get a cut in your hand and stitches aren't available listen you can look into a kit where you can a suture kit um where there is a certain kind of scissors and needle and things but I would encourage you, if you're going to do that, uh, get some training now, have some firsthand knowledge of how that's going to be in case you have to stitch yourself up. Um, if you're uncomfortable with that or you're phobic of needles or or the sight of, of a needle, uh, butterfly strips, um, they're not going to be the same. They're not going to be as good, but it is going to be better than nothing. So at a minimum, I'd have a variety of sizes of butterfly strips. Um, also, don't get a 10 pack, you know, go with more because uh, if you get, you might have more than one wound, you might have more than one person with one wound, uh, and you might have to re- uh, apply those butterfly strips uh, more than one time to the same wound if you're if it's slow in healing. And then speaking of just band aids, a whole bunch of different sizes, small ones, you know, uh, for for little cuts, uh, for little blisters, um, all the way up through you know medium size and large and extra large, and then like the the pad size ones for maybe scraping your knee. Um, having a bunch of band aids on 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 site is a really good idea uh, to have. Again, they're very inexpensive. They're worthwhile um, to have around. Um, speaking of that, um, you know, d different things topically um, or bandages, you know, an iPad in the event you do get something and you get an you get something in your eye and there's a wound in your eye. Uh, iPads uh, are something to have on hand as well as a way to add you know, to, to keep it, um, to keep it on. So it could be an ace bandage. It could be that athletic tape that won't do too much damage to your hair. Uh, you know, I've seen people that have used in training, um, you know, like a headband, just kind of go diagonally from uh, across the other eye around your skull. Uh, there are different things you can do there, but you want to keep that eye closed and irritant free. You want to keep it free from wind and other debris. Eye injuries are can be very dangerous. It can be very concerning. You can get permanent eye damage. So I wouldn't save the $3 and say, I'm going to skip the iPad. And it's because I wear prescription glasses and nothing will ever happen. You never know. Triangular bandage. Um, this can be used as a sling. Um, can be used uh, for a bunch of different things. It can be used if you also need a splint. Uh, there are foam splints that you can purchase. You can make a splint. You can take a small piece of metal, a small piece of wood. If you have to stabilize a bone or an area of your body, using this triangular bandage with a splint is also a really good thing to have. Now, when you're working on a lot of these different things, uh, in particular bandages, open wounds, uh, you want to make sure that especially... Um, if you have been exposed to anything throughout the day, if you're cleaning the chicken coop and then someone gets a cut and you have to tend to that, um, you want to make sure that your hands are clean. 
you can pass along those germs and you can uh, create an infection or at least create a great environment for one pretty quickly. Um, so having some gloves on hand is a good thing. A lot of people have, uh, a fair amount of people anyways, have um, at least an irritability with latex, if not an allergy. Allergies to latex can be pretty severe. Uh, nitrile gloves um, are available and you can pick up you know, a box of those that have 50 or 100 gloves and I would consider doing something uh, along those lines to, again, offer uh, personal protection for you and also for the person that you might be working on. Um, cold packs. Um, you know, one of the things that's going to happen if you roll an ankle um, or if you have a burn, you want to immediately uh, apply some ice. And these cold compress or cold packs, the ones that you snap, that way you don't have to have a freezer or ice, you know, with you that's going to melt it all the time. Uh, pick up a few of those, uh, as, as many as you think that might be beneficial to you, anyways. Of these, um, um, Cold packs where you just you, you break them or you punch them and they pop and then within a few seconds you have nice cold heat or, or excuse me cold a cold application. Uh, these can be good for things like uh, reducing inflammation, uh, providing relief to burns, even to stings and stuff like that. Um, also, if you you know uh, for headaches, uh, for for bringing your body temperature down and to prevent heat stroke, sunstroke. Uh, while I'm here, there are something called cold towels as well. Look into those. You can get some water on those and you put them on the back of your neck. And those are also really good for maintaining and making sure that you don't overheat because that is a very very uh, dangerous thing that you don't want to get into that territory. So um, those cold compress or cold packs are a good thing to have on hand. Um, if you have to do any fair amount of walking, uh, moleskins are really good. You can you can buy those. You can you can cut them down to size. You can get them in various sizes if you get a blister. Uh, but again, you have to keep working through it. Uh, there are good things to have uh, on hand. Um, I have a variety pack as well as kind of some large moleskin, um, you know, pads where I can, they're, they're pretty large, so I can just cut down the size that I want and I need. I've even used them on, um, training days at the range, you know, walking, you know, seven, eight, nine miles a day, um, you know, pheasant hunting or, you know, on a trip or something like that. Uh, and it's a really good thing to have on hand. Also, there's something called trauma pads. Uh, trauma pads are something that are good uh, to have on hand, uh, you know, a, a chest compress, uh, different things like that uh, in in the event that there's a little bit more of a severe uh, and you have to pack a wound uh, to prevent from bleeding and uh, you have to uh, probably get some more help at that point, but that's a good thing to have on hand. Um, and then lastly, um, you know, I talked a little bit about ACE bandages um, and some other bandage applications or a triangle bandage, um, having some safety pins on hand uh, for these to keep these things in is also uh, a great idea. I want to move over now to some over-the-counter things that I think are really wise to have uh, on hand and kind of stock stockpiled up to make sure um, that you have on hand. Now, you know, first of all, like right out of the gates, you know, I'll say antacids, even if you don't have an issue right now, you might in a year, you might in six months, you might in two years, it's not a bad idea to pick some up or someone around you uh, might be struggling or suffering. Now, quick pause, because the next episode, I'm going to be talking about some skills, utilizing skills that you have in a system that's broken down where you can exchange those skills with someone else for food or a service they can offer. For example, um, I do have some additional schooling uh, in, in these topics and these subjects in, in nutrition and in, in, in medicine. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, but I do have some additional schooling in this and so in training. 
Um, that's something that I can offer uh, a lot of people, but I can't fix a car. I don't, I, I can't, uh, I'm not mechanically minded whatsoever. So I might be able to say to someone, and this will be the next episode, make sure that you know what your skills are. Make sure that you're brushed up on them. Make sure you have enough stuff to offer because in a barter system, and yes, we might get there. It's going to be really important, um, to be able to have. So unfortunately a lot of people now, uh, their, their skills they have to offer are playing video games, uh, DoorDash, uh, picking up DoorDash, you know, um, karaoke, and those are not things that bring any value. You've got to be able to garden. You have to be able to have basic medical. You have to be able to fill in the blank. And again, that will be in the next episode. Uh, so now, but some of these things you could have on hand additional to be able to offer some of these basic services in a barter situation, or again, just to take care of your neighbor, friends, coworkers, loved ones. Okay. Um, antacid, we, we covered that one. Uh, anti-inflammatories, there's ibuprofen, obviously. Um, some people go uh, the naproxen route, which is a leave. Um, you can go the Tylenol route, which can also help reduce fevers. Um, look into that. Make sure, you know, for example, if you have liver issues, you know, Tylenol maybe isn't the best thing for you. If you have kidney issues, I think that that goes through the pathway um, of the kidneys. Um, but whatever it is that you have to have on hand, and you can get generic versions, you know, at Costco or online, you can get them very inexpensively. And, and having large bottles of ibuprofen, um, Aleve, uh, and Tylenol on hand is not a horrible idea uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, bringing down inflammation is really important, uh, especially if you have to move through things and especially um, if you have to keep going. Um, you know, cold and flu season comes around every year. And so you're going to want to manage um, you're going to want to manage fevers. Uh, so, for example, Tylenol or an anti-fever uh, is, is going to help on something along those lines. But you're going to want to manage other things like uh, coughing, for example, that will just continue to irritate and make you feel miserable. Um, so cough drops and or a cough syrup. Uh, are a good thing to have on hand. Um, if you want to get rid of the stuff that's in you, uh, an expectorant like Mucinex is a really great thing to have on hand. I always have those on hand uh, because that the expectorant works to get the the phlegm and the and the in the uh, bacteria that's embedded in that phlegm out um, with really no side you know side effects. It's just a really good option to have, and I would have that. You might also just be. Um, you know, struggling with some allergies and maybe you don't now, but maybe they're going to come up um, and you might want some allergy relief, whatever it is that you've used that has been uh, working for you. I would make sure to stock up on some of that now. Aspirin is always a good go-to. Um, you know, aspirin, uh, we all know what aspirin does. It does a lot of good things. And some people take a, a baby aspirin, you know, daily for cardiovascular prevention. Um, again, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not going to give you advice, but I would encourage you to look into like cod liver oil, fish oil, an EPA, DA, a um, something along those lines because you're going to get a little bit of the blood thinning uh, as well as it's an anti-inflammatory. It supports your uh, central nervous system. Your brain is made up of a very high percentage of good fats. It feeds those fats and it's good for thinking. It can help your mood. Um, my goodness, there's so many different things you can do. So if you're taking a uh, aspirin for that baby aspirin, maybe look into that. Uh, turmeric or curcumin is another good thing to have uh, on hand. I'll get into, to, to the, you know what, I'll just say it right here right now. It's not an OTC thing. I'm going to talk about supplements in a minute, but you know, cod liver oil or fish oil, EPA, DHA uh, is a good thing to have. Um, I take three grams or 3000 milligrams every single day. Uh, it's not horrible. It's not a bad idea whatsoever to have that on hand, but turmeric and curcumin are good natural anti-inflammatories. Um, they also um, have some good effects on, on 
cancer cells and uh, mitigating those potential risks, but just, um, you know, arthritic pain, um, you know, just wear and tear pain, plantar fasciitis, you know, just the little things that would prevent you from moving smoothly throughout the day and getting all of the things that you want to done. Um, it, it can help bring you some relief on that. Another thing you're going to want on hand is an anti-diarrhea. So that can get pretty dangerous. You can get dehydrated. Uh, and just in the event that you get sick, and something comes up with that, uh, you want to, in fact, have some sort of uh, anti-diarrhea and then an anti-nausea you're going to want uh, as well. Okay. And you can look, you can search those again. You can go to your local pharmacy and ask them, bring a little bit of a checklist and tell them you're building a first aid kit. They'll walk you through these things uh, pretty quickly. By the way, while you're there, ask them what they have in their first aid kit after you go through the checklist and ask them um, what you're, what you're missing and see if they have anything else. I want to move back over to supplements. Now we started talking a little bit about cod, cod liver oil or fish oil or EPA, DHA. And we talked a little about turmeric uh, or curcumin. You can get that in food too, and you can just get the spice. You can buy it bulk and powder if you like the taste of it. You can make sure that you're putting it in foods. Uh, but getting it every day, I think, can be a, a really good idea. Um, <clears throat> so a uh, couple of other things that I would have on hand by way of first aid kit, you know, activated charcoal. If you ingest uh, anything that would be, you know, poison related uh, or you get food poisoning or you have to eat some expired food or something and you get sick and things just aren't going well. Activated charcoal is a wonderful thing. It's very inexpensive. Um, it absorbs everything around it, everything around it. In fact, uh, it used to be when you ingested some poison or if someone drank too much alcohol or something that you used to go into the hospital and they would pump your stomach. Um, and, and I suppose that that is still done depending on the severity. That being said, in a lot of cases, they are using activated charcoal and it's available to you and me just like it is to them. And that's something I would have on hand. Another thing uh, that could pop up potentially is a bladder or urinary tract infection. Those could be very painful. They can be very uncomfortable. Women are more susceptible than men. Men are also susceptible, especially in environments where cleanliness and hygiene is an issue, um, where you can't you know, just take a shower two or three times a day and you're working more and you're sweating more and more chance for bacteria if you have to bathe in a lake or something. Uh, having cranberry extract uh, to prevent or, or even uh, address um, bladder infections is another good thing to have uh, on hand. Uh, vitamin C is a good thing to have on hand. It's something that you should take every single day for most people. Um, and in that particular, uh, with, with vitamin C, if you're not going to take it every day, at least have some on hand so that if you feel an infection, whether you see it and it's topical, um, or you start to feel that, um, increase, you know, starting to take some vitamin C is a really good idea. Uh, and you can increase that to a bowel tolerance and you can take a thousand, 2000, 3000 milligrams, um, just start, you know, at a thousand and kind of work your way up from there. Vitamin D3, D is in dog. This is a sunshine vitamin. You want to do that. It's going to maintain an optimal uh, immune system for you. And I think it's really important uh, that you maintain this. If there was one supplement that I had to choose to take just one for every day for the rest of my life, I would most likely be vitamin D3. I personally take 10,000 IUs daily. The recommended daily allowance is 800 IUs. I'm not going to, by the way, an IU is a, is a fraction of a milligram. It's just a weighting measurement. It's a fat soluble vitamin. And uh, 800 is it. I was taking uh, 5,000 IUs daily, and they want you somewhere around the 70 
uh, range, depending on what the reference range is for the type of testing, but somewhere around the 70, even upwards of 90 uh, range. I was taking 5,000 IUs daily with food, with fat, because it's fat soluble. So when you take it, take it with a little, with an egg, uh, with an egg yolk, take it uh, with a little bit of peanut butter or something with a little bit of fat. You don't need a lot, but you just have to take it with food. By the way, take it in the morning is better in the afternoon or the evening. Uh, I covered that in a prior episode. That being said, um, when I was taking 5,000 IUs daily, remember the recommended daily allowance is 800, uh, 800 IUs. Um, I came in at like 23. That is not good. Uh, that's very insufficient, almost deficient. Um, and, uh, I adjusted that to 10,000 and I'm hovering. I, I, I actually test for vitamin D3 once a quarter as part of a wellness or uh, preventative medicine program that I'm in. And uh, I'm always, in fact, last time I was at 72, which is almost textbook perfect. And it's a really inexpensive. I'll, also, a real quick tip. I would take vitamin D3 with K2. K is in kilo. K2. D3 with K2. And the reason why is uh, simp as simply stated as possible. Um, D3 um, helps the body to absorb calcium and it temporarily kind of spikes the amount of calcium that you have. And if you take a lot of D3, um, what you want to avoid is too much calcium. And you want to avoid calcium, uh, not completely, but you want to avoid getting too much calcium because it starts, instead of going to the bones and the fingernails um, and the, and the, and the, um, you know, the, the hard tissue areas, it starts to go to the soft tissue areas. And what you don't want is over time for that to build up um, in the cardiovascular system. And what K2 does is it goes in and first of all, it prevents that calcium from being absorbed in the soft tissue. But K2 will even over time, uh, go do your own research on this, but it will actually go in and start pulling the calcium in your soft tissue. It'll start pulling it out of there and it'll start moving it into the hard tissue, your teeth, your bones, your, your fingernails, for example. That's a really good thing to have. So take D3, D as in dog, with K2. I personally take um, the, the two together in one capsule, in a gel cap. I use a brand called Metagenics. I really like it. I'm getting great results. Uh, I'm stocked up on it. Uh, D3 is really important though. By the way, it's a mood vitamin uh, as well. Uh, people call it a hormone vitamin. It's a precursor to serotonin. If you're having sleep issues, uh, that D3 taken in the morning can increase your serotonin, which there's more available in the evening for melatonin, which help, helps to start your sleep cycle. So it's a good thing to have on hand. Um, the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is just an upset stomach or maybe even just some digestion problems. Having some ginger capsules um, on hand uh, is a good thing to have, especially uh, as we get older or if you have younger children and their stomach isn't just uh, setting quite right, having ginger on hand is a good thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about electrolytes. Uh, it's important to maintain if you have to output more. It's a hot day. Uh, you're losing and you're not staying as hydrated. You can even be drinking a lot of water but sweating a lot and you're losing a lot of electrolytes. You're not just losing water in that sweat. You're losing some good minerals, some potassium, some magnesium, etc. So having some electrolytes on hand uh, by way of individual packets I think is a really good thing uh, to have on hand. 
The other thing to have on hand is magnesium. Magnesium is a good muscle relaxant if you have a back spasm, if you get spasms at night, uh, things like that. But magnesium, uh, and there are different forms. I would stay away from magnesium citrate or uh, basically it's just like chalk. It's not very absorbable. It's very inexpensive. But malate, uh, glyconate, there are other forms of magnesium um, that you would want to look into. And if you take it every day, it can actually help your bowels to flow uh, as well. And that's always a good thing. Uh, magnesium, can, it helps to relax and it helps for something called ATP, which is an energy conversion. A lot of us are deficient in magnesium. And so supplementing with it on a daily basis, I think is a, a really good idea. So those are some basics that I would have on hand uh, by way of supplements. Actually, one more. Um, I have some of this on hand, but listen, if, if nuclear war was to happen, uh, I don't plan on being around for a long time. I don't want to come out of a bunker after 110 years. I'm kidding. Um, and, and hope to make it and survive in a desolate land and expect nothing to happen. So I'm not the guy that's got the gas masks and I'm not the guy that's got, you know, the, the fallout shelter in the bunker. Um, I am not that person. Um, that being said, if there was nuclear stuff, you know, let's just say a few hundred miles for me, uh, and eventually it creeps over because of wind or because of time or be a combination thereof. Um, and I don't want to make my symptoms worse. You can look into potassium iodide, potassium iodide. It's available online. You can purchase it. You can have it a couple of bottles and it tells you follow the, follow the, um, directions on the label. It'll tell you how much you need to take, uh, when to take it. Uh, and it's, it's fairly inexpensive. I think it's, you know, like $40, you know, a bottle. Um, I have it on hand as an extra precaution. Um, uh, but that being said, I do not plan on surviving a nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> okay. So, um, that's, that's, the, those are the basics on the supplements. There are other things that you can have that depending on what your needs are, if you have you know underlying issues and things that you want to do, if you have struggle sleeping at night, you might want some L-theanine on hand and take 200 to 400 milligrams at night to help that. Um, there are different things that you can and should look into. Um, but generally speaking, for a first aid kit, having these things around, I think is a really good idea. Of course, make sure that you, you've got your prescription meds on hand. I talked about this in the last episode with the uh, a little bit about everyday carry and the IFAX or individual first aid kits. But that being said, um, I would work with your physician to make sure that you have uh, prescriptions, and I would try to get six months um, if you can from them, uh, and and beg and plead with them to give you six months worth uh, in case there's ever a supply chain issue. Uh, tell them it's financial. It gives you a little bit of a break, whatever has to be done. And hopefully they'll work with you on that. I want to wrap up by talking, you know, just some other categories uh, or an other category of a bunch of different things that I would have on here. Number one, emergency blankets. Uh, I say blankets because they're very inexpensive. In fact, you can buy them in four packs and 10 packs and 12 packs. Uh, they're mylar. Uh, when they're all folded down, it's about the size of a deck of cards. Uh, they're reflective. And what they do is they preserve your body heat to prevent hypothermia for someone in shock or if it's just cold. Uh, outside or they've come out of cold and they need to warm up. It, it, they're windproof, they're rainproof, and they're very inexpensive. And like I said, they don't take up much real estate, all folded up about the size of a deck of cards. Um, I would and they're so inexpensive. So I would, I would have a handful of those uh, for you and for some other people uh, around you. Um, also a tourniquet. You know, we talked about, you know, cuts and bleeding and some things like that. And uh, having a tourniquet, number one, and then the knowledge to know how to use it uh, is a whole nother thing. Um, pick up a couple of tourniquets. I've got one in my vehicle. I've got one in my range bag. 
I've got one in an everyday carry kit. In fact, I've got a couple in my range bag and I've got a couple uh, in my in my vehicle, in my truck. If I drive by a car accident and see something, I want to be able to help out uh, in the moments that it takes for someone else to get there. Seconds matter when it comes to bleeding. So have a tourniquet or a couple of them and know how to use it, have the training. I want to pause there real quick too, by the way. Um, one thing that you need to make sure that you have on hand, make sure that you have on hand is go out today, go to a used bookstore, um, go to you know Amazon, go to your favorite online bookstore and buy a, uh, a first aid book or a survival medical book, whatever it is, look into what you need and what you want. Don't rely on the internet because it might not be here. Don't rely on a downloadable ebook because, well, electronics might be gone with an EMP or a solar flare. I'm not saying they are, but it is a possibility. And then you're going to have all this stuff and no information and not know how to use it. Okay. So um, again, I just want to pause there and say, go get a printed book, have it on your bookshelf, know exactly where it is and keep it with your first aid kit. I want to move on to some more basic things right now. Um, also in the first aid kit, I think having some chapstick in there is a, is a good idea. Uh, if you have to work outside in the winter and it's blistering cold and your lips are cracking and bleeding, it's not comfortable, um, you have to work through that. And uh, chapstick is going to be able to help you to do that. On a hot summer day where the sun's beating down, you have to tend to that garden or those chickens or chop that wood or whatever the case is. Uh, having some sunscreen on hand is good. You don't want a, a sunburn and you don't want too many sunburns because it does damages to the cells and later on it can turn to some bad things. Uh, also, while you're outside, uh, bug spray. If you have to work, I, I, I live in a wooded area and I live in an acreage and I've got a lot of trees. I have a lot of bugs. If I have to go get things down, which is often the case and cut up a tree, a dead tree uh, or, or um, you know, cut, cut some wood or split some wood or anything like that. Um, and bug spray is a really, really helpful thing for me to have on there. Um in my bag. Uh, duct tape is another good thing for, you know, listen, on a first aid kit, uh, duct tape, I mean, I've seen people with pretty bad wounds where there wasn't a first aid kit and they literally just use duct tape. Probably not fun to get off, but if we can close that wound up, it's a good thing. If you have to get a, a t-shirt over the top of a wound, um, and get someone somewhere, uh, to try to get some help, and uh, that T-shirt's not just going to stay tied on there, uh, but you tie it on there and you wrap some duct tape around and that's not a horrible thing to do. You get a break in that Mylar bag or that emergency blanket, that duct tape's going to help you. You're driving down the road, window breaks, cracks, throw some duct tape on there. Listen, a duct tape is a good thing to have in a first aid kit. I've rarely ever seen one in there, uh, but I have it in all of mine. Uh, another thing that I think would be good to have uh, is a tongue suppressor, especially for younger children. Uh, tongue suppressor, so you can get that tongue down. You can look in the back of the throat. If there's red and there's irritation, you know that um, that's the start of something. Uh, there are different things you can do for that. If they're white pockets and it starts to look like infection, then you have to do some different things. Uh, but you might want to be able to see that with a tongue suppressor. Uh, by the way, with that tongue suppressor, if you're going to look in an ear canal uh, or you're going to look into the back of someone, uh, throat, um, or you need to tend to somebody's wound and it's night and there's not light where you are or it's available, having a pen light and or a headlamp is also a really good thing to have on hand. You can't successfully address the issue if you can't see because it's dark. The pen lights are like three to five dollars. A headlamp you can get for ten to twelve dollars. Um, and a headlamp I like because it's hands free. So I have a pen light. I can look in the back of someone's throat, their ear canal, or their eye if there's something in there. Uh, but the headlamp is good if I have to work with both of my hands, which you would in a medical emergency or situation. Um, then that headlamp's going to come in really handy. 
Okay. Um, so keep keeping on here, a couple of other things that I would make sure to have on hand. One is a blood pressure monitor. Uh, have a blood pressure monitor available. And again, it might not be as much for you. It might be for someone else. You can get them for 30 to $40 on Amazon or your big box store. Um, make sure you have enough batteries on hand as well. Another thing worth having on hand is a pulse oximeter. When you go to the doctor's office and the doctor or the nurse checks you in and they put that thing on your finger, it's checking for your blood oxygen level. You want to make sure that's above 90. The closer to 100, the better. If it's below 90, you need to seek additional help. Um, but that being said, they're looking for two things, the oxygen level as well as your heart rate. And that's a good way to keep something in your uh, finger in your pocket um, in a first aid kit or a micro kit or an individual first aid kit to know what your heart rate is doing. Okay, So a pulse oximeter, and again, they're very inexpensive. A thermometer. You need to be able to check to make sure that you or somebody else around you doesn't have a fever. If you do, you're going to have some things on hand to be able to bring that fever down. You can use cold compress, cold packs. You can use ice. You can use fever reducers. You can rest. You need to stay hydrated. Um, you, you, you know what to do, but you need that information to know what your fever is or how bad that it is. Depending on how severe the fever is, you might have to take extra steps. Okay, So make sure that you have a thermometer and enough batteries on hand. And thermometers are so inexpensive. And quite frankly, they're made in China and they're made, you know, probably not to last very long. Um, so I would probably have a backup uh, as well. I would also have, uh, in addition to, I talked about the tourniquet, I would also have trauma shears. Um, that way you can see a wound, you can quickly get to it, you can cut some clothing off, or if there's a, you know, a backpack or something and, you know, you have to cut a strap. Um, also, if you have to cut a piece of clothing to, uh, again, get to a wound to see the wound, but use clothing maybe to, to pack a wound because there's, by the way, the first thing is to, to get sterile gauze and things like that. But there are other reasons you would need trauma shears. And so having a pair of those uh, is a good idea. Also tweezers, you might get a splint in your hand. You might get some sort of, um, you know, metal uh, little piece in your hand. There are all sorts of different things that can uh, happen and having a tweezers, a good one, um, that you're going to have to be able to pull those things out is also a good thing to have. You know what the worst thing is? Um, I, I actually rolled my ankle to about a 90 degree uh, angle here almost, well, a year and a half ago, and it still bugs me sometimes. Um, it still bugs me. And uh, But at first it was really bad. I couldn't put any weight. I had to hobble around on crutches for a few days. I mean, it was bad. Um, I would take that any day over a toothache though, any single day over a toothache, man, when you lose a filling and that n raw nerve is exposed, it is painful. Air hits it, cold hits it, hot hits it, food hits it, food debris hits it. It feels like someone, you know, just shoved a dagger into your, into your mouth and your, and your jawline. Uh, not fun. They make emergency dental kits that are again, fairly inexpensive. They have an oral topical. Um, pain relief. Uh, they actually have a, some uh, like a, a wax substance that can uh, temporarily fill that cavity. They have a tea bag that you can bite down on. Uh, there's some, you know, a pick in there to get anything debris out. Um, there, I have a couple of those. They're a good thing to have on hand, and you can use it basically once. So having a couple of those um, emergency dental kits on hand is a good idea because again, you might not be able to go to the emergency dentist. I hope you can, but if you can't. You will thank me. Um, hot water bottle. So, um, you know, or a heating pad. If there's a heating source, there are a lot of different applications. You know what those are. Um, and I would encourage you to uh, to look into those, to have those in your first aid kit. Uh, CPR face shield. That's just in the line of personal protection. 
also opens up the airway a little bit and makes you more effective. Uh, momentary pause here. Uh, when you get the first aid book, uh, look into CPR. Uh, do Look on YouTube. Look on wherever you can. Look at some videos. Get some basic information on how to do CPR. Um, make sure you know how to get the head in position and, and the neck and open up the airway. Make sure you know uh, how to uh, get the... Um, the face shield in, make sure you know what to do with the nostrils to get the air in to be effective. That's not a time where you're going to wish you would have brushed up. You can literally take five or 10 minutes today uh, and brush up on those things. And in the event you need it, um, you're going to have that handy. You're not going to want to Google search it and look for YouTube videos um, while someone needs CPR. So get the face shield, but get the training and know what to do as well. Um, water purification tablets are a good thing to have in just the event you have to get some water and someone's dehydrated and you have to do something quickly and you don't have bottled water or whatever around. It's a good thing to have water purification tablets. And then lastly, I think it's a good thing to have some cotton tip applicators, cotton tip applicators to get some of those ointments and other things uh, that we discussed on there. Now, listen, I want to share with you that is not a completely fully comprehensive, but it is a great uh, kit to start with. It, this is this is good to have on hand. You might already have a bunch of these items. I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. I want to encourage you to pull all of these items together. I want you to look at the effectiveness. Again, bandages lose um, stickiness over time and expiration dates on, on ibuprofen and, and Tylenol and aspirin and some of these other things. And then uh, stage them all together, organize them in such a way to say, this is my home first aid kit uh, and in, in a box, in a duffel bag, whatever the case is, and, and have all the things together. So if you need to grab it, you've got it and then it's there. And you might also want to stage an, an IFAC, individual first aid kit that you can bring with you when you travel. Um, I have both. Okay. I have both. And if I go on a trip, um, I'm probably it's overkill, but I have all of that stuff right at my fingertips. Uh, and, and I rarely need it. Okay. I rarely need it, but in the event that I do need it, it is there. And I don't want to be in a, I'd rather over-prepare and not need it than need it and wish that I would have prepared. That's the moral uh, of this story. So pull all the items together, stage them, organize them in a way that they're all in one place. Remember where they are, get the book and make sure that you have information that you can reference on hand. And then make a checklist of items that you need to go out and pick up today. Go online and get them or go to the go to the store and pick up a number of things. These are things you're going to want and need on hand. Here's the thing. Your health is always important. Always is. Always was. Always is. And it should be a top priority for you. You have to make it more of a priority. Again, we've been talking about the fact that you may be asking more from your body than you've ever had to ask from it for at least a very long time. You might have to be the president of your own health club, not your doctor, not your nurse practitioner, not your nurse, not the emergency room. It might have to be you. You might even have to be your own health care provider. You might have to be a health care provider for someone in your household or a neighbor or a close friend. So get adequately prepared while you can. We are here sounding the alarm, sounding the alarm from me to you, and I hope from you to others. We, we need to encourage the people in our circles. We need to continue to build a community uh, with, with people that we know, we like, we trust, with like-minded individuals. You need to walk through these things. Again, the next episode, I'm going to talk about skills. You can't 
Listen, if it's you and a spouse and there's two of you, you're not going to cover the gamut of everything. There's a lot of things that I can cover. Uh, there are a lot of things that my wife can cover. There are a lot of things that we can't cover. And I have to be dependent on other people. I can't live in isolation. I can't fix my truck if it breaks down. I can't fix my hot water heater if it breaks down. I can't fill in the blank. There are more things I can't do than I can do. There are a few things that I can do. And that's why community is so critically important. It's important that we are sharing this information and talking with others and starting to build this community now instead of waiting until there's a, a big event and then trying to do it under duress when people are freaking out. Each of us and all of us sharing ideas with each other, with the PR Force Society, with the people in your local communities is an incredible start, but you've got to start, you've got to start yesterday. You have to increase their awareness. And, and more importantly, you have to call them to action on their level of preparedness. I, listen, I know, and I'm saying this out of love, so many of you didn't even, most people didn't make it to this point in the podcast as we wrap up. Some of you that made it to this point will go, yep, I think I've got these things covered, or I've got to go watch Netflix. I've got to go think about lunch. I've got to go run an errand. I need to, I need to run and pick up some stuff for dinner tonight. I need to go iron my shirt for work for tomorrow. And those are all the important things to do. But listen, in the grand scheme of things, if you don't have a first aid kit and you get cellulitis and you get an infection or something turns into gangrene, you have a horrible dental experience and you can't get to the dentist and there's pain. You don't have a way to stop horrible bleeding because someone cut themselves, your neighbor or your child. I want you to think through that. I want you to think through it again. As I said in the very beginning, I don't think about the worst and plan for it because I think it's going to be happening. It's not because I'm a negative Nelly. It's because I'm a realist. It's because I want to be prepared for things. It's because well, my grandpa always told me when I was a kid, are you safe? He would ask me when I'd come home, even as an adult, are you saving for a rainy day? Because even though it's good now, someday it's going to rain. I've got savings. Listen, if I have an important appointment or meeting or someone that I value and they say, let's meet at 1030, I don't go, well, it's a 17 minute drive. So I'll leave at 1013 to get there at 1030. I leave with a buffer. I leave with some margin, just like I have financial margins. I have time margins. I give myself enough time to get somewhere in case there's a traffic incident or a slow way or a detour, or I have to stop off and pick something up. These are all the same rules that apply, but when it comes to this, for some reason, we think, the nor I'm telling you, the normalcy bias is so bad. It is so bad. We just think, well, things aren't going to get that bad. And if it does, I don't think that people are going to react that way. How do you know? How do you know? You have never been in this situation before. You don't know how people are going to act. So if you can plan and prepare for the worst case scenario and not need it, aren't you better off? Then, assuming things are going to be just peachy and not being prepared enough. Listen, this is a wake-up call. This is absolutely your wake-up call to say, if you've listened to a few of these episodes and you're still suffering from normalcy bias, stop. You don't have much time left. You don't have much time left to think that things can't change. And that's what normalcy bias is. Things aren't going to change. Their things aren't going to get that bad. Again, what if they do? Wouldn't you rather be adequately prepared for it and not need it than to need it and not be prepared? Listen, it's our responsibility and the mantra for this PR4 society is to be proactive, to think ahead. 
being proactive means I want to I want to be prepared in the event something does happen, not when something happens, be the people that had to run out and buy toilet paper during the pandemic because the news told us we were running out. I didn't care because I had enough toilet paper. That's what being proactive is. Being proactive is getting an annual physical medical exam. Being proactive is leaving with enough time early. Being proactive is set, saving some money from every paycheck in case you lose your job. That happened to me once in my life. A company sold the company I was working for, and I was I was out of a job for six months. Thankfully, I had adequate savings because I saved because I was proactive. We've got to be proactive. Listen, part of being proactive is to be adequately prepared, adequately prepared, not just mentally because it's not what we think or, or what we know, what our knowledge is at that point. It's what we have. It's what we've done. Being prepared, not just preparing, being prepared. We can do this in a practical way. And the way for us to do this is to maintain and be principled. But being principled does not mean looking the other way. It doesn't mean saving somebody some angst today. I've talked about it before. I'm going to end with one more analogy. With my son, when he was about two years old, walking towards the hot stove with his hands out. I didn't just sit back and hope that things were going to be fine. I got up, ran over there, swooped him up, and I tapped him on his hand, and I said, no, firmly. A couple of tears came out of his eyes. Did I hurt him? I deterred him, and by doing that, I was sounding the alarm so that he wouldn't get hurt in an unnecessary way that would have been extremely painful and maybe even for the rest of his life. Not the pain, but the suffering from third-degree burns on his little soft, fleshy hands at the age of two. That is being principled, saying, listen, we have to wake up. We have to know these things. We have to act on these things because we have to be prepared while we can.